Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Welcome, everybody, to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. To my right is the elusive Tony DeSero. What up? And to my left is the mighty Mo Dingo. Hi. <laughs> that was for uh, Mike Donovan. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> and uh, we are currently Trip Turlington Less, which means. Wait a minute, he's here. He's ep- here. <laughs> 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 trying to get this damn episode recorded for the second time. Drinking some press coffee, which has got me bouncing off the walls and sweating. What is that stuff? Man. <laughs> this cold brew and i've drank like half of it and i'm literally sweating and i drink coffee all day long yeah their concentrate is no joke so as i like wipe my sweaty brow here you're making me sweaty that's how that's how much <laughs> body heat you guys are generating well that's from my i got my mixtape in my pocket oh, here, so shit's fire <laughs> tony i see you're rocking the 3dm shirt and that had me thinking about your save the date post that uh-huh. i saw the other day it's just a save date we haven't uh we're not going to announce anybody so don't ask (laughs) (laughs) that's why he's the elusive tony yes yes (laughs) we have um we just wanted to put the date out there because there's always a lot of halloween parties and we wanted to do it earlier on in the month so we're not competing against all the other big halloween parties you know um so it's what, I, the 24th? It's the 14th. Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. It's way early. Cool. Yeah, it's the 14th. Normally, the last weekend is when Prime Social Group does their Haunted Fest, and I manage their stage for Haunted Fest. I didn't want to cross over dates with, with them and as well as myself working for them. So, so Tony's company, Three Dimensional Entertainment, throws uh, some of the biggest shows in the region here, and this is their annual Halloween show. And they always uh, do it real proper. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you've got in store. Can you give us anything, a venue, anything like that? Uh, we're going we're gonna to use mask cool. again, cool. like we did um, another trip around the sun. We're going to use both floors. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're going to have uh, separate... Take over the whole joint all over again. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, we're only going to do, um, like I was telling you guys earlier, we're only going to do that about twice a year. Luke said it's okay to use which is the owner mask to do it maybe a couple times a year, but not a lot because he doesn't want to detour his, his oh, uh, regular out. customers yeah. to a different club. Yeah. Cause if you, if you own a venue and you have regular nights and then you send your customers to a different place and they have a really, really good time, there's a potential that you could lose those customers, mm. you know? Yeah. So I, I doubt <clears throat> many people are going to have a gooder time in Dayton. <laughs> Aside, outside of mask, though. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. Well, you, yeah, you'd be surprised. Sometimes a lot of those lights and sound doesn't mean a lot. Doesn't doesn't translate to everybody. Right, right. I mean, to us, you can't have a better time in any club, really, in the state, if that was the case, you know, with the Function One sound and... Yeah, and well, you put the kind of names in there that, like, that Three Dimensional's been putting in there, mm-hmm. and you have people like us who are, are totally into that, mm-hmm. and you just... that. The lights are almost secondary. It's really, it's the sound. The sound, yeah, absolutely. You know, the lights are just, oh, cool, pretty, and they make great pictures and videos and mm-hmm. impresses people when they come in, but it just sounds The sound in there so is big. just, <laughs> it's big, it's clean, it doesn't hurt your ears. It's yeah. just, it's phenomenal. Um, so I played this, you know, taking it way back in a different direction, I played this little mobile gig mm-hmm. the other day. 
it was called the Dreamers Gala. I think. Yeah, I saw you posted on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like uh, one of those lounge gigs that I like to do that I talk about every now and then. So I was kind of playing like funk, jazz, hip hop, a little bit, like just touches of old school hip hop, you know, funk, soul, that kind of stuff, R&B edits. You know, this is something that I do all the time. This is the, the kind of mobile gig that I do as opposed to weddings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, this particular day, I was just in the absolute worst, pissy, terrible mood. It just things that weren't really going right for me at that particular moment. I had a lot of things hit at once that were discouraging. I've been kind of stressed out because of work stuff and money stuff. And I was just having a, a, a bit of a rough time. And it was probably the first time that I've ever experienced the feeling of, man, I just really don't want to DJ. I just don't mm. want to do this. Mm. This this sounds terrible. It's you know definitely I mean? hard when that's the passion of yours. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was really... <clears throat> it hurt a little to even have that feeling, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because that's not, it was, it was uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, well, this is what I like to do. And I don't even want to, you know, that's not right. <laughs> but you know, I was, this was a mobile gig that I was hired to do, you know, I was getting paid for it. I'd made the commitment. And so of course I'm, you know, going to do it anyway. You got to put your game face on and, and, and do the damn thing. And so I tear all my equipment down and I'm packing it into the car. I get all dressed up. I have to go pick up my daughter from school. So I go get her, I bring her with me. I've got this whole thing going on and I'm just like, man, I do not want to do this, this is terrible. And I'm driving to the gig. I've got Lily with me and she's, you know, off playing Minecraft on her (laughs) tablet in the corner as she does. That's her ish. That's what she does. And so I'm setting up the full rig, you know, couple of tops on tripods and my you know xdj 1000s and my mixer and everything running all the wires the person that hired me was just kind of around like floating around in the venue making sure everything was okay do i need anything here's where the power is and yada yada and it was as i'm setting up it starts dumping down rain and i'm like Great. Like, I've got all my expensive gear out here. I'm wearing my brand new crispy shoes. You know what I mean? Which, like, not, they're all just little micro the things. Jays, son. He said yeah. crispy. They were, <laughs> they're nice. They're nice. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's like when you first, you like wash and wax your car and then it rains on it and you just rage. It was that on my feet. It never <laughs> rains. <laughs> so I'm in this like, bad mood and everything, but. It was really interesting because by the time I was actually done setting everything up, I felt better. I, and I hadn't even started DJing yet. And the only thing, I mean, nothing particularly good happened at that moment. I just doing what it is that I like to do and forcing myself to go in there and do it. I felt so much better by the time I got to the sound check part. I was amazed because I was not, ex- I was expecting to just power through the night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was, I, I'm smiling and joking around and, and stuff by the end of it. And I had, you know, my daughter do a little sound check for me. So she got to be a, you know, rock star for 30 seconds. And, for yeah. It was just a lot of fun. And so I had to dart home with her in the rain and everything. And, and I was just, I was already feeling better and, I, and it was cool. And so in between taking my daughter home and then coming back to the venue, 
I came up with the idea or the the name of this episode, which was mixing the blues away. Nice. And in that case, I, I hadn't even started mixing yet. It was just the idea of DJing. That's something that I do pretty often is just like go to my decks and unload on them and just get out of my own head for a while. And I've, I've said before that I, I often will, it's like a personal therapy thing, like just to feel better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can't be the only one. Um, that brings us to now. So I was wondering if you guys do this as well. Just go to your decks and mix, not to practice, not to prepare for anything, not to play for anybody else, but just to do it. No, I, I do that plenty. There's um, oftentimes if I just have a, well, I, I'll give you a good example. When I was deployed, you know, granted I wasn't at a very dangerous place evidenced by the fact I could bring my DJ equipment with me. <laughs> um, but that, that still didn't change the fact I was away from my family and, um, you know, working, you know, 12 to 18 hours a day just to hang on what the mission dictated. But there were just days where I would just go in my room and just start mixing just to not just to get out of that headspace and in particular on uh sundays uh the venue that we that we played our shows at was closed and uh but i had keys to the location and i would go in there on sundays and practice primarily i would just go in there to spin some drum and bass because nobody else really wanted to hear drum and bass and i wasn't going to force it on them <laughs> but um, i would just go in there and just rock out for like two hours at a chunk and nice. just like just just get out of my head and because you know I was going to listen to drum and bass, damn it, on that on their sound system instead of just listening to my headphones. And yeah, and it uh, it helped. It was a very good, uh, almost like a, a therapeutic type behavior that I would you know exercise pretty routinely. I whether it be blues, mad, sad, pissed off, like you said, Mo, getting out of your head. Yeah, I definitely DJ a lot to get out of my head. Yeah, I do. Um, I sit down a lot at the desk. And David, you brought the. Uh, s8 over to my house because i don't have my cdjs and my 900 anymore and i have been going through a lot you know um emotionally with a lot of um a lot of life a lot of life yeah Yeah, we'll just call it life Yeah. yeah um and when you came over that day, you know, I specifically told you how it really did save my life, you know, because I was in my own head for quite a while, as a lot of us artists really do, you know, yeah. we're very deep thinkers and we tend to overthink things, analyze things to the fullest. And, you know, you brought the essay over, I was playing on it and it just, it allowed me to sit down for an hour or two hours or three hours at a time and just mix. And, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not the same thing as, putting up a or, or pulling up a uh, a podcast of Sasha's or Digweeds or even playing a YouTube video and listening to a song that's going to take you know and give me a specific feeling you know it's it definitely I, I get lost in the mix and it definitely takes my my mood completely from zero to hero yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's two shout types. out to Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Robert Van Lee. Um And there's kind of two sides to it too, right? Like, because you you touched on the uh, the music side of it. So there's the aspect of just getting to hear whatever music it is that you want to hear in mm-hmm. that moment. But then there's the actual activity of mm-hmm. doing it, right? right? And like whether that's you know you're so intensely concentrating on what you're doing that it provides a distraction or 
that it just gives your brain something to do or, you know, whatever it is about, even if you're not doing a lot of crazy stuff, just that activity of doing something that you love. And I know with me personally, I don't take a lot of risks, which sounds weird because like there's no audience. So of course I'm not taking risks, but I don't do anything particularly fancy when I'm in this mode. I, I tend to just kind of play whatever I want to hear and listen a lot more, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's in my headphones or to the monitors and just kind of let the music kind of, I try to get kind of swept up in the musical aspect of it while I'm doing it. Right. Um, without thinking too much about anything else. Well, as we all know that the songs themselves, whatever the song may be, makes us feel a specific way and taking that and adding the aspect of mixing when you mix two songs and you just get that great feeling when two songs are mixing and they're just writing together, you know, the emotion of the song, you know, combined with the motion of the, of a great mix is just like, it just lifts you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get that. There's a little, like, at least when you're a DJ, you get that exciting little dopamine hit <laughs> whenever you've got two tracks and they were and especially if it's like the, they key mix, you know, mm-hmm. they're a harmonic mix or something like that. And you're just like, Oh wow, this sounds awesome. And I just, even if it was really simple, like I just made this happen and it sounds really cool. And that, you know, that makes you feel better as well. Right. It was like for me the other day at your house when I was using your CDJs and I don't have a lot of experience with them and just getting things to not sound like sneakers in a dryer. was like, <laughs> it, it made me feel good. <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> right, got right. that little hit. But, um, I know for me, the similar sensation is like when I work out, um, mm. if I have a bad day, mm-hmm. go out there and just kind of get that stress out. So being able to DJ in my basement has sometimes given me that outlet. Like if I can't get to the gym or something, you know, that's my alternative outlet. But there's sometimes where I prefer to DJ versus mm-hmm. go working out. It just, you know, if I'm just so physically exhausted, that I just don't want to do anything else. Um, getting behind the decks is also very therapeutic in those situations. So I asked our audience if they do the same thing, if this, if anybody in our audience uses their DJing as a sort of personal relief or therapy kind of, of solitude. Yes, yeah. yes. And so I kind of reached out to our different social channels and the, the VIP list, which is our email list, which you can sign up for at passionatedj.com at the blue bar on the top. Which, how many uh, emails are we up to? We're up to 3,200 subscribers. 3,200 subscribers. Yeah, not too shabby. No, not at all. And so I kind of reached out to everybody, and we got a res- an email response from Angus Bishop. And he says, hey, man, DJing is, for me, exactly that, therapy. I have PTSD, non-combat related, though I was enlisted, more so from life and what I've seen done to others. It helps me cope with sleepless nights, anger, the loneliness and the hyper-situational awareness. It focuses those negative and positive energies so that I can dump them onto the decks with ferocity. I mix mainly hard D&B, hardcore, industrial hardcore, underground, and some early gabber as the basis of all my mixes. Sorry, can't do soft stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for keeping in touch, Angus. And then this is the best part. He signs it Joint Task Force Hardcore War Sound System, which has got to be the angriest name I've ever heard for a DJ. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to take a wild-ass guess and say that he was Army based off of that that handle. (laughs) So that's that's cool because, you know, this is a little different approach. I'm not really experienced with, with PTSD specifically, but... 
it made me really happy to hear that this was helpful for somebody who experiences that because I know that's really major stuff. Yeah, it's, you know? it's something that's actually in the military community starting to gain attention and it's yeah. getting its appropriate, uh, it's, it's due because it's real. And I've read a couple white papers talking about music specifically helping uh, people suffering from PTSD to help them deal and kind of get out of that headspace. You know, a lot of uh, the guys I know, you know, they're not big fans of medication and mm. sometimes doing things, you know, alternative means of, of relaxation or being able to, you know, realize a situation and, and know how to manage that situation without having to pop a pill or, you know, even things like therapy dogs. I, I have some of my friends that have those. They will still utilize music as a, as a resource. Um, I, actually, this is cool to hear Angus, though, because I don't know anybody that DJs, but I do have plenty of friends that play music. So, um, that's in pretty the military? Sp- in the military. Or with yeah. PTSD or Correct. just in the military? Well, no, with, with PTSD and in the military. Okay. But, um, yeah, a lot of my friends I know that kind of deal with those issues uh, tend to deal with music um, as, a, as a sense of relief. There's um, actually quite a bit of science to back up the uh, positive benefits of music in people with stress, anxiety, PTSD, and even some physical ailments. And we're going to get into all the science behind all of that in part two, because that's there's some pretty interesting research out there on this. Um, but while I was kind of searching around and, and preparing for this episode, I found this really neat documentary, and it was called Before We Were Kings. And uh, I'll put a link to, you can either rent or buy a digital copy from nice. Amazon store. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and link that up. Is it free if you're Prime? It's Yeah, if you're Sweet. Prime member, it's free. So you can just watch it. You stream it right off the bat. Um, Are you a member, you said? Yeah. Log in. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was really cool. It was, so, well, here, from their Facebook page. Will music ever be prescribed by doctors in order to help with someone's anxiety? Before We Were Kings aims to find out this answer. How can a DJ who is diagnosed with social anxiety disorder perform in front of thousands of people nightly? There's something in the music that allows his mind to make a switch to a different version of himself, a king. So I said, That's, perfect, that sounds uh, right up my alley, let's you know, check it out. <clears throat> being uh, in the industry for a while and, and being on stage with a lot of those guys and even behind behind the scenes with those guys you know we just had sasha sasha was very nice guy but he's a quiet individual um yeah you know he gets up there he mixes he does his thing um somebody very business-like yeah very plays in front of hundreds of thousands of people you know um one person that i can i can pinpoint is mgk machine gun kelly oh really um you know he very calm, very cool, very collective, you know. But when that guy gets on stage, just it's like a switch flips, and that guy is off the hook. You know, I don't think of him as being like just a chill, like yeah, right, yeah. But I mean, you could sit and have a conversation with a guy and talk, and but man, he gets on that stage and he just I mean, dude jumps off the trussing, you know, yeah, and yeah. just goes haywire. But well, this in this documentary they had Moby, uh, Wolfgang Gartner, Sander Kleinenberg. Uh, DJ Shifty um, and then DJ Robbie Wild who's the deaf DJ and so it was kind of oh. cool to hear all those different perspectives on this hmm. I know Moby had a lot of really cool things to say about it and you said something the other day about like a project that he did that was like music therapy yeah he related. put he put out it was uh, 
I read briefly on it. It was a like a four. It was four hours worth of music that he put out, and it was he put it out and gave it out to everybody for free. And it was specifically for like yoga and meditation. But okay, yeah. So it's is it still available? Do you know? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll link that it's, up in the show notes too. That's really awesome. I read it in. Uh, it was in a blog, but I'm pretty sure it's a. Uh, it's. It's hosted on YouTube, I think. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, yeah. So you can just so play you, it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it like like ambient? Or it's it's very pop? very ambient, like uh, noises, very very calm. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, so the reason I bring up this this documentary, uh, other than I want to share it because I'm sure a lot of people would like to see it, um, we're gonna play some clips out of this documentary that I kind of pulled, and the first one comes from Luke Schneider, who is uh, he's not a DJ, he's a music therapist in Brooklyn, and he has this group of people that show up however often it is and it's it's kind of like a drum circle slash jam session thing so you've got you know people with bongos and maybe a guitar and somebody singing and just doing whatever whatever happens it's like a random improv and Mm -hmm. it's all geared around just therapy the therapy of it and so this first clip is from luke schneider i always start by conducting an assessment with the client. And so that involves uh, learning what music they like, what their music background is, what their attitudes towards different kinds of music are. For me, um, the way that I work tends to be a little more holistic. Um, You know, even though these neurological responses to music are happening in all of us, um, at the end of the day, I'm looking at the whole person and how those sort of internal processes manifest in, in the relationship, in the client's life. So sometimes I do think about, you know, if I quicken this beat, for example, or if I play a faster subdivision, it may elicit a certain uh, emotional or physical or psychological response. So I found this interesting because even though he's not a DJ, he was saying some very DJ-like things, like if I increase the tempo, I get a different response from the crowd type stuff. And it's, it's cool to, to kind of see that in a different context. From a therapeutic, the, yeah, yeah, like the changes in music, yeah. how it changes their demeanor. He also had some interesting things to say about EDM specifically. Let's check that out. It involves repetition and uh, a wide sonic palette, right? Like low lows, high highs, and I think that it can really make the music available to a large number of people because if there's repetition, it gives people an opportunity to really catch on to it in their own time. And if you have a wide sort of range of timbres, that creates many points of entry for the client. You know, people may be resonating more with the low sounds or the high sounds or the way that they're interacting. Um, and so I think the, the elements of EDM, you know, make it a very accessible form of music. And then when you hit that tipping point where you get large numbers of people together in a festival and it becomes this um, shared experience where everyone's hearing the same song but reacting differently. And I think that that uh, communal aspect of appreciating music can be a very beautiful thing. I think there's something to that with, he says EDM, but I'll just say dance music in general, mm-hmm. especially <clears throat> like um, a, a four to the floor kind of beat because that's so intensely repetitive mm-hmm. in in a way and you have that constant pied piper type of tempo where it just kind of keeps on going and that's something that even when i'm playing out i try to capture that really hypnotic get lost in your own head feeling with the crowd i mm-hmm. try to get them to experience that with me mm-hmm. and 
I, I think that dance music is it's almost custom built for that purpose. It's almost obviously I've said before I, I kind of missed the the golden age of the rave, but I think that's kind of what that scene was built around is that sort of cadence, the communal aspect, and the communal aspect of it, and getting everybody to operate at that same just real steady beat whether it was super fast ravey stuff or you know 120 bpm deep house there's st- it's just a it just keeps it's, going you can't help it that with <laughs> with a good breakdown when a song breaks down and starts to build and the whole crowd knows exactly the counts and the measures of that build and when it's gonna come back in and everybody knows it and they're on that same wavelength There's, even if they don't know why if they have like they don't have the count they don't have head, they don't they know the count but they know tell. it's an instinct yeah. and that song comes back in and it's there's no as a as a dj there's it's, it's hard to describe that feeling you know but it's just when you see that crowd in front of you all go off at the same time it's just amazing it's yeah. just such a good feeling well and i think a lot of that um uh, that cadence and those, you know, those things pr- tap into that primal lizard brain. Yeah. You know, that, you know, think that's why things like drum circles. It's very tribal. Very tribal. And it kind of taps into that natural rhythm that we all have inside. That, that's just my personal take on it. I don't have anything to back that up. But it would seem to make sense. I mean, we have, it's like a modern version of that sort of tribal drum circle kind of thing where yeah. it's, it's just a constant tempo and a drum beat and everybody's reacting to it simultaneously. Yeah, because you go back through any culture when they were still living in caves or, or, or slowly crawling out of them, there's always been music. Do you guys have any, I mean, you mentioned Sasha and Digweed. That's mm-hmm. obviously the first place probably our heads go to when thinking mm-hmm. about that that kind of like, the progressive yeah feeling. that gives you mm-hmm. that sasha and digweed's interesting because they have that hypnotic feel but they also have that great sense of progression and they mm-hmm. have a really good balance with that mm-hmm. probably like uh i don't know richie Houghton mm-hmm. types you know real loopy mm-hmm. kind of djs not loopy like crazy but like <laughs> 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 repetitive yeah. loops and stuff and then when you're mixing it, stuff like that. Well, the way that Richie and Dubfire and all those guys mix now, as opposed to, you know, in the in the '90s and the in the Plastic Man ventures and all that thing, all that type of stuff. Even techno in the '90s was more repetitive, as opposed to, and I don't even want to say opposed because today there's still a lot of that that same sound, but they've created all of these reverbs and tape delays and effects to to build which is how i play as well Uh, you know i was influenced by that a lot those guys creating those builds and things like that you know it's it adds a progression to techno and even when you're listening to joseph capriati nicole mudaber like that style of techno it's it's still got that melodic feel and that progression but it's still techno you know and and that style of music because it's so as a dj is so versatile because there's not a lot of melodic content usually going on at once Mm -hmm. and stuff like that there's a lot of just real percussive stuff that you can grab and so you have a lot of options you Mm -hmm. can kind of take it wherever you want it's kind of nice for you know bringing it back to this sort of like personal therapy aspect kind of like what you were saying mo about uh, when you lock in a mix and then you get that little sense of accomplishment yeah. right there in the moment, you get you can get that same thing when you're kind of like mixing techno loops and stuff together, and mm-hmm. then you you sort of on the fly create 
your own version of whatever's happening without having to like really dive into studio production and really mm-hmm. thinking hard about what you're doing and working even, on it for 12 hours you can just kind of do it and get results and it sounds good and even without using the effects you know before they came in with the effects it was it was just the equalizer you know it was the eq it was taking the bass out and you know and the in the so mids and and, and yeah. yeah you know and, and building the mid itself or the high itself and then slowly bringing it back to the milk line you know and Bringing the bass back in, just that in itself and seeing the crowd go nuts, you know, it's kind of your own progression. Well, for me, sometimes it's not rehearsed. It's just something I feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll just like, hey, let me, let me cut this out. Absolutely. And then bring it back. Right. You know? <laughs> you're like, yes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you try and recreate it and you're like, you can't remember what you did. <laughs> and that's, that's funny because that's, that's uh, everybody always says no matter when you're playing, where you're playing, always hit the record button because you never know, which I never do. I hate to record because I, it, most DJs, I'm sure, are the same way. When you hit the record button, you're always messing up. There's something, there's something as an artist like, damn, you know, I messed up. Not a lot of people are going to know, but you'll know as yeah. an artist. That's why I don't ever hit record. But, you know, it's... If, if I do actually remember, it's usually like three or four songs into my set. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, shit. <laughs> I missed that. Start over. <laughs> it took but me when, four days to come up with that intro track. But when you're, when you're live, there is no starting over. You yeah. keep going, you know, and that's, yeah, definitely hit that yeah. record button. So I don't want to bring it down too much, but we did have a Facebook submission from, uh, he calls himself Maticus Rex. These days, it reminds me of a simpler time in my life. Back when I got into house and trance and drum and bass, they were all pretty fresh. I was 19 and hitting the raves every weekend. When I spin now, I let the music take me back to them good old days. Some great parties, great friends, and no worries. In 2007, my cousin and best friend died in a car crash. I had introduced him to the rave scene, and he went on to be a pretty talented DJ. After he died, my aunt and uncle gave me his vinyl collection, since we were both so into music. It's relaxing to me and makes me nostalgic. I DJ for my cousin and to remember good times. I miss my homie a lot, but he lives on in the music that I play. Hmm. I love that message, even though it's, you know, I feel for Maticus Rex. I'm not sure what his real name is, but the... um, our brains tend to intensely bond music and memory together. And so I, I, I think I'm picking up what he's putting down there because mm-hmm. it can kind of bring you back to that moment and, and kind of give you those, those feelings that only will naturally occur if you run into a, an old picture or, you know, something like that. You can almost, um, uh, manifest that yeah be back in that moment that music but well before we go any further i just want to say hey rex uh, thanks for sharing that with us it took Mm -hmm. a lot of courage to put that out there on social media and um i'm glad that you found a way to reconnect with your with your boy um because i think we'll all agree that with what you're saying is we can take music and it takes us back to times and locations you know sometimes good memories but also sometimes bad memories mm-hmm. just like i can't listen to john cicada uh, another day without you anymore because <laughs> that reminds me of boot camp and when we always screwed something up it just seemed like that song seemed to be playing i just remember specifically having all of our beds torn apart we had oh, he, he gave us like some unrealistic expectation to put it all back together and that song was playing i was like every time i hear that song you know i go back to being a bald poor idiot my first week of boot camp <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because it doesn't 
really matter like the the musical content necessarily like it could be the best song you've ever heard it could be the worst song you've ever heard but the way that our brains associate the memory with when you first heard that or when something incredible happened and that song happened to be on that's what your brain associates with how much you like that song you know or that or smells 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 yeah sure Yeah. yeah Yeah, Mine is fresh cut grass. Mm. My smell. It takes me back to my childhood. Um, like when spring hits and, and everybody can, obviously we live in Ohio. So, you know, four or five months out of the year, it's pretty cold. Nobody can yeah. cut grass. But when I, when it's springtime and everybody starts cutting their grass again, it just takes me back to my childhood, you know, and it's just like, oh, wow. Mine's love, pre- when the weather gets warm. Mine's yeah. pretty similar. Mine's freshly wet pavement. Hmm. Like, so like a sidewalk after a spring rain like that smell is very distinct that, that hot smell of wet cement yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know why but that's what it does like something snaps in my head and I suddenly I just see myself at my grandmother's house on Cascade Drive I mean it's like a very specific memory it's not like I just think about being a kid Yeah, it brings me to one particular moment and I don't know why that's the one because I've smelled that same smell a million times you know but it's it's just it very much demonstrates that that same effect that uh, correlation between memory and and sense smells sounds uh, tastes you know uh, those can a lot of times bring back uh, you know really vivid and specific memories in people yeah and this I mean this can be you know as as Maticus is talking about here it's something that can be you know personally therapeutic because you're you, if you're triggering those memories intentionally, then you're probably triggering good ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you're not trying to wallow in misery at that point. You're just remembering the good times, and the, and it kind of gives you that good feeling, like they're still there. And yeah. and I think that it's uh, it's really cool that he's found this um, the way to tool. Connect. Yeah, yeah. And also, I promised that I would uh, give a uh, rest in peace to Dayton Cruz, who is his cousin. He said it would mean the world if we mentioned his name on the show. Yeah, yeah. that's so, way too easy. Yeah. Uh, rest in honor, Cruz. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the least we can do. And, and uh, keep your head up, and we appreciate you taking the time to share that story. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, that took a lot of courage, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, bud. I had uh, a friend, coworker who had uh, committed suicide and this was years ago and the first thing that I did was go go home and record a mix and I it was kind of like I didn't even know what I was going to do I just needed I just needed to shut the door and just organize my thoughts mm-hmm. you know or maybe the opposite of that I'm not sure which but um I just kind of closed the door and started playing tracks that reflected my mood at the time Nobody else was around. I took the mix. I recorded it. I even took the time to name it and burn it to a CD and everything. And then I never played it again. You know, it was just one of those things that I used to help myself. It just in that moment, you found that was the best way to deal with the grieving that you were going through. And yeah. um, I'd argue that by you making a physical copy and, and naming it also helped take some of that off your shoulders and just uh, put a name to it and then just file it away. Yeah. Maybe there was just something symbolic there, like a, a sense of closure thing. I don't know. I, it was, But it, it, it really affected me at, at the time. We weren't super-duper close, but there were, there were some other 
circumstances that um, are surrounding that whole situation that kind of messed me up a yeah. little bit for for a little while. And you know, music is one of those things that's that's always been there for me, quote unquote. You know, and music is the answer. Yes, it is. Say. And when it comes to the actual songs, do you guys have any like particular personal therapy tunes or like mood lifters or something that just kind of is a go-to song that helps bring you out of a funk, I guess? Well, for me, I not necessarily bring me out of a funk, but something that just like makes me feel happy every time I hear it is, um, don't judge me, uh, The Cure, Friday I'm in Love. Uh, when me and my wife first met, we were such a good song. We were geographically separated, and uh, for about two years, and that was just something—a song that we both liked. And I don't, I don't think we've ever really discussed it, but you know, if I was having a shitty day, or I, or I could just sense that she was uh, having a day, I would just like text her like a line from the song or something. Mm. So then, when we were together. It just always seemed like things would line up and I'd be listening to the satellite radio and the song would come on and whatever we did, we'd just stop and we'd look at each other and we'd smile and just mm. enjoy the song. And so now you have that kind of additive effect where the the longer you have those reactions with each other, the more it intensifies the effect of hearing that song. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah, you smile a little bigger each time <laughs> yeah, and exactly. each time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tony, you have any um, songs like that? A song that makes me feel really good. Oh, I have a couple. Um, Mercury and Solace, BT, Ooh, BT, uh, Flaming June. Um, both of them are just great feeling songs. But one song that it, it's it puts me deep in thought, but it also makes me smile and feel good is Now We Are Free, which is is at the end of the movie Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that whole soundtrack. That yeah. man. This <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> that movie I've seen maybe maybe twice, if that. But that soundtrack, I've probably I would have worn a hole in it if it was the, ori- <laughs> the original CD I burned of it years ago. It's just so well put together, and that they nailed that like getting an emotional response from music thing. Yeah, for me, it was the the battle theme. I've got like memorized in my head. For, for me, talking about stuff, like soundtracks like that, uh, Black Hawk Down is one that's, uh, mm-hmm. that that's very like I, I can listen to it like at work and I just like I go through a range of emotions because I actually have friends that were involved in that incident in Somalia so it's just it's it's like a personal thing but also an empowering thing like when you just listen to those different tracks it was really in mm. that and that was the first time it ever happened to me like that because I think 90% of the soundtrack is instrumental so yeah that was the first time i ever had something like that it just like took me away or they'll just have like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they're chanting something yeah. in another language i have no idea what but still kind of that's yeah. what um it was a han zimmer track yeah, yeah yeah it was han zimmer but the lady that sang it i can't remember her name but it's in a language that she made up whoa yeah it's not even in a so any just, specific language yeah well, I don't, that's I, cool because then it's like it it allows the listener to get whatever interpret yeah interpret, interpret their own mm-hmm. i've got two one's kind of embarrassing <laughs> can't be worse than the cure it's, dude uh, the cure's, i bet we got a lot of i talk about Peebo bryson in chicago so there's no there's no judgment hey, here hey, man. who doesn't love some peter satara right so. absolutely new kids Karate on kid the block soundtrack yeah, all day yeah new all kids day. on the block man i grew up loving them so there's no judgment well, so this one, this one's still in the realm of, of electronic music, and it's 
Um, it's by Orbital, and it's called, and I don't know how to pronounce the word. Is it Halcyon? 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 I've heard it pronounced Halcyon. Halcyon, and on and on. So it was, what, on Mean Girls, I think? Yeah, and um, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I can't remember what other movie, but... Oh, uh, Hackers. Hackers. Yeah. Yeah. So it was on a lot of, like, 90s and early 2000s soundtracks, but it's... I don't know. I Whenever I hear that song, it's just... It's really got that uplifting emotional quality to it well yeah but that that intro is like the the beginning of it's like two minutes long that just the instrumental part when you listen to the full because the full track is uh seven minutes i think and when you listen to that first part where it's just the the vocals and the ambient sounds yeah and then it's really slow build up and then all of a sudden just a i don't know it just it's a feel good track it's not particularly deep cut or anything like that or really it's just i don't know it's a feel good song to me and i i always Tran- kind of trance-ish yeah, tra- yeah. trancey and it <laughs> i always like whenever i hear that song i envision myself like seeing the end of the world like if i had <laughs> but like but like in the that, best that's way your po- soundtrack to the end of the world <laughs> yeah but like not like in the best way possible like not like it's depressing like if i had to have one song to play me out as i was watching it happen with like when my family and be- right yeah. i just hear that song playing as the end credits right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other one is no rain by blind mellow yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just uh good video yeah it's just a feel good yeah that's one that my my wife's really into as well so we actually created a a, uh, spotify playlist together called feel good music and we use it for this exact purpose i like counting crows a lot too yeah counting crows always makes me feel good yeah any other mr jones Jones, mr jones okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm trying to think if there's any other there's two different sides because there's the nostalgia factor and then there's the just whatever the music sounds like. Mm-hmm. So it could be the first time you've ever heard a song and it's really uplifting like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And then it could be like I hear too short <laughs> or, yeah. or something like that. And it still makes you feel good. <laughs> makes you want to bang a girl. No, <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> no. <laughs> right. And on that note, uh, this has been part one. We're going to come back to part two next week. Biatch. <laughs> Biatch. Where we're going. Why do you want to say it like short? <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about DJing as a connection to other people the science behind this whole music therapy thing and the problem of escapism. And uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. And we will check you out next week at the Passionate DJ Podcast. Ciao. See ya.